Welcome to Spark My Muse, everyone. This is Lisa DeLay, and you're listening to Soul School 174, Learning the Trees. Right now, it is Advent season, December 2020, and some of us have decorated trees in our homes to celebrate Christmas. We bring some of the outdoors indoors, and evergreen trees have long been a symbol of eternal life or rebirth in many cultures, Egyptian, Hebrew, and Chinese. And for centuries before the birth of Jesus, the winter solstice was celebrated by pagans who brought boughs of evergreen trees indoors to celebrate the winter solstice. Many of us appreciate and love trees all year round. I thought today I would read you something really delightful about trees that talks about death and rebirth of forests. This comes from Nautilus Magazine Online, and it's called Death and Rebirth in Forests on the Life of Trees by Chrysotin Bellows, and it was printed in July 2019. The link to this full article will be available in the show notes for this episode, and I ask that you will support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse. You can get a link to this at sparkmymuse.com for this episode 174, Soul School 174. I really appreciate when you support the show. Now on to the article. It begins with a simulated hurricane in 1990 to test what kind of damage such gusts make to a forest. Besides the wind in the trees to toss seeds, what does a forest need to sustain itself over time? This is the question that Audrey Barker Plotkin asked while meandering through the Harvard forest. As the forest senior scientist, as well as site and research manager, Barker Plotkin is both attentive to the individual lives of trees and intent on maintaining a holistic perspective, understanding the relationships among each trunk, each spread of boughs, and every hectare that gives her woodland workshop its unique personality. Quote, what I work on is how forests change over time, and especially what happens when something comes along to change a force in a major way, unquote, such as a torrid rain, a lightning strike, a hurricane. These elements precipitate the trickle-down effects of the ecosystem's reactions as chemical compounds die, but are also reborn. Death and resurrection is at the heart of my work, Barker Plotkin tells us. Quote, the forest is really resilient. It will bounce back from almost anything. But on the other hand, there's a lot of change, and that's not easy for people, including me. In a new course that Poetry in America produced for teachers, Earth, Sea, Sky, Barker Plotkin was asked to meld her perspective in forestry science to that of Mary Oliver's poem, The Oak Tree at the Entrance to Blackwater Pond. Here's the poem, The Oak Tree at the Entrance to Blackwater Pond by Mary Oliver. Every day, on my way to the pond, I pass the lightning-felled, chesty, hundred-fingered black oak, which summers ago swam forward when the storm laid one lean yellow wand against it, smoking it open to its rosy heart. It dropped 
down in a veil of rain, in a cloud of sap and fire, and became what it has been ever since, a black boat floating in the tossing leaves of summer, like the coffin of Osiris descending upon the cloudy Nile. But, listen, I'm tired of that brazen promise, death and resurrection. I'm tired of hearing how the nitrogens will return to the earth again through the hinterland of patience, how the mushrooms and the yeasts will arrive in the wind, and how they'll anger the pearls of their bodies and begin to gnaw through the darkness like wolves at bones. What I loved, I mean, was that tree, tree of the moment, tree of my own sad, mortal heart. And I don't want to sing any more of the way Osiris came home at last on a clean and powerful ship as a tall and beautiful stranger. The poem begins with a daily observation of the remains of a particular oak tree that was suddenly violently struck by lightning. Barker Plotkin tells us about the attachment that one can develop to an individual tree, an attachment which Oliver's speaker well understands. Repeatedly passing the crumpled oak each day, the speaker expresses the emotional palpitations that Barker Plotkin suggests is part of being a close observer of forests. She accentuates the observer's inevitable sense of loss. Quote, what I loved, I mean, was that tree, tree of the moment, tree of my own sad mortal heart. Unquote. This beloved tree has morphed from a living creature and erect state of matter to another, a vessel of decay on the forest floor. Curiously, Oliver's speaker compares this new form to the Egyptian god of fertility and the underworld, Osiris, who was killed by his jealous brother Set. In one version of the myth, he was trapped alive and sent down the Nile, his coffin ultimately caught in a tree. Osiris remained encased in multiple layers of wood, constructed coffin natural tree until he died, but his wife Isis found his floating tomb, reassembled his body, and resurrected him. Osiris represents both the beginning of life and its final stage. Won't hurricanes like those which Barker Plotkin investigates aid in the quick juncture from death into new life? Oliver illuminates this wind's essential duty how the mushrooms and yeasts will arrive in the wind, how they'll anchor the pearls of their bodies and begin to gnaw through the darkness like wolves at bones. These minute regenerative organic processes serve as the protective remedies that preserve forests. As the research summary to Barker Plotkin's hurricane simulation experiment notes, quote, the forest ecosystem has proven to be extremely resilient to damage very few changes were witnessed in the microenvironmental conditions or biogeochemistry, despite the massive changes in forest structure. Oliver's speaker knows the fungi will begin their inevitable release of enzymes to break down the bark of fallen trees and subtly sift them into soil, preparing the way for new life. And yet, even with this knowledge, the speaker cannot help but feel that this process foretells an irreconcilable deprivation an indelible wound. Quote, but listen, I'm tired of that brazen promise, death and resurrection. 
I'm tired of hearing how the nitrogens will return to the earth again through the hinterland of patience, unquote. Realizing there is no rescue from the desperation of loss, Oliver's speaker calls out in frustration, quote, and I don't want to sing any more of the way Osiris came home at last on a clean and powerful ship over the dangerous sea as a tall and beautiful stranger, unquote. The tree, the god, the earth will knit their forms back together, but not as they once were. Even though nature's organic process of renewal automatically activates when a tree falls, things are forever changed. Both Oliver and Barker Plotkin identify this with a deep sense of loss, as a lover might mourn the ending of closeness. Ultimately, much like immortal souls, a collection of trees is built on a kinship of alliances under and above the earth, and we are reminded that humans have a role in how well the forest survives. Despite the fact that a fallen tree decomposes, with the aid of the wind and our care for forest health, each tree may return as a, quote, beautiful stranger, unquote, to stand among the trunks of their ancestors. This was written by Chrisetin Bellows, who is a natural board certified teacher with 26 years of teaching experience currently based in San Diego and who serves as a college professor and an instructional coach for teachers. I'm also reminded at this time of year how much trees change. In this part of the country where I live in the northeast of the United States of America, there are many deciduous trees that lose all their leaves and go to their sort of skeletal shapes. I love looking at them that way to see what their structures really are. But in a sense, their glory is gone, their leaves are gone, and they're in a dormant time. And when they get covered in snow during this dormant time, there's a different kind of stark beauty about them. I love the trees can outlive me. I love how they're giant elders that are around us. On our property, we have a crimson king maple tree that has purple leaves, and we have an English walnut tree, both giants and whose shade I deeply appreciate. I hope that you're able to go out soon, maybe today, and find a big tree and realize how these elders can shape our lives and shape our perspectives and how they also symbolize death and rebirth and perhaps can teach us in a greater way something about ourselves and how life can unfold before us. Thank you so much for listening to Spark My Muse today. I hope that you might pass this audio on to someone else who might enjoy it and come to sparkmymuse.com where there are over 360 episodes you can enjoy. Go back in the archives as far back as April 2015 to hear wonderful guests and great Soul School episodes. May you find blessing, joy, and peace. Mm-hmm.